We are so pleased you're here with us today and we have an extra special treat for you because not only do we have Alison Wilcock, who is CEO and founder of Number Nine The Nursery, but we have her wonderful, amazing husband who happens to be a GP. We have Dr. Christian Wilcock with us. Chris, welcome. Thank you for having me here. Well, technically it's your house, but... I'm still pleased you're here. (laughs) Who invited you? (laughs) With your microphones just barging in. Um, So I'm so pleased. This is so weird. Look, both of you here, we've got like fully practitioner person, 35 years of experience with children. And we have how many years experience being a GP? Yeah, I've been a GP in Croydon for 35 years. Look at you, you've got like 60 plus years of experience. Okay, shut up. calling us old again no no not at all we're just it's really unusual to be able to talk to a gp and somebody who knows children about children's illnesses so chris it can be quite daunting when your children get sick it can be quite worrying what's like normal childhood illnesses like what what ones do you think most kids are going to have All children get illnesses. It's part of growing up and in many ways it's a good thing. Um, As children grow, they catch infections. Certainly with viral infections, they often get a lifelong immunity and that protects them when they're older. Mm. One of the reasons why as parents you don't get infections when your children do is because you've already had it and you've got that immunity in your system. And so... Part of the child's education, if you like, is learning through getting illnesses and the experience they get protects them from having many illnesses when they are older. And really, there are only two ways of developing uh, an immunity to an illness. One is having it Mm. and then you develop your own antibodies. The other is having immunizations and having an immunity through that. Hmm. So, and I think probably we're going to come on to that later. Yeah. But the, the answer to the question is, it's just normal for your child to get a lot of infections. And some are serious and some need consideration and special treatment, sometimes hospitalisation. But the vast majority are just normal infections that are around in the community and they are dealt with perfectly well by the child's own immune system. And that's so interesting that you say that it's like a part of, of just normal childhood because we're now living in a really bizarre yeah, time true. where, you know, we're kind of being told on a daily basis, wash your hands, keep clean, don't get ill. Mm. Have you seen a difference with that, Ali, like with children being less sick or more sick since lockdown when they come back together? No, I think, you know, what Chris is saying is absolutely right, that, you know, that they have to build up their immunity. They, they, There's no difference in seeing what, you know, what we're seeing at nursery. You know, they do have their sniffles and their coughs and their colds. It's really, you know, we do get some parents that actually take them out of the nursery because they're like, they just keep getting cold after cold after cold. And, and that's part of the way... In a way, the nursery helps. What you're doing is you're putting a child into an environment and they meet all sorts of other children. So, of course, they get infections. 
Mm. because they've got a bigger community to mix with and they come into contact with more germs and so they will spread infections if you don't get it at nursery at that time then you get will get school. it later at yeah. school or later when you do mix yeah. and so it's not a bad thing and the other the other thing is when um you're born as a very young baby if you're breastfed, you get some immunity through mum's breast milk. And you've also had some immunity through the placenta. But that tends to wear off towards the year mark. Oh, and wow. so what's happening is you're losing that inherited immunity, if you like, from mum at the time you're going to nursery mm. and meeting with more germs and older children. And so, of course, you're going to get some infections. But by and large, that's normal and uh, um, a part of mixing. And that could feel quite scary because, like, a lot of mums put their babies in around about that year mark, don't <laughs> they? Yeah, they do. I think they? most mums have a year off maternity-wise, yeah. really. And then and you can. think, oh, my goodness, they're now at nursery and they're getting super ill. Yeah. But actually, that's really interesting. It just happens. Yeah. And it's not because it's not clean. <laughs> you know, disinfected enough or anything like that. It's it, it it is just it is that they're just mixing with uh new people that have that have got, you know, new bugs. So and that's a really good point actually, Ali. Like should we be disinfecting surfaces all the time? Should we be constantly washing our hands? Like if we've got young children in the house, do we need to keep a super clean environment? That's a very difficult question in today's world. Yes. Because with COVID, yeah. we follow the guidelines. And COVID almost is something, it, it's it's unusual and something Unique. we've had to mm, learn yeah. to deal with. And absolutely for COVID, we've had to be careful to respect distances, to wash surfaces. Certainly when I grew up, and that's a while ago. No, a so young. Good, a good bit of dirt around, yeah. playing in the garden, getting mucky, licking your hands and all of that. Not that you would recommend it, but it didn't seem to do an awful lot of harm. Mm. I, I would say that you want to be appropriately clean, but don't go lose sleep over it mm. and don't, don't, um, yeah, don't go over the top. Yeah. And talking about... COVID, you know, when you've got a young baby, I mean, I, I had my son in the middle of the pandemic, it, like April 2020, it felt very scary. We didn't know much about how COVID-19 affected children now. what What's the guidelines on it now? What, what are they saying? Are kids really at risk? No, of course we have to be careful. And it's not just a disease of young people children or old people. It's a disease that's in the community. Mm. And we have to respect and protect all people. And that means the old as well. And very, very few children have suffered badly with COVID. In terms of percentages, minuscule number yeah, we've not end seen up it really in hospital, minuscule mm. number end up dying, minuscule number end up even with symptoms, but that doesn't mean they can't get it and carry it and pass it on. Mm. And COVID has taught us a lot about illness generally. And it seems that although younger people don't necessarily become symptomatic 
with COVID, they can pass it on, even though they have no symptoms of being ill. Mm. And then they, so if you imagine a scenario, they mix at school, at nursery, they get it, they're fine, they go home, there's an extended family with mum and dad, grandma and grandpa, and grandma and grandpa may get it and could be desperately ill. And that's the problem. Mm. And so you have to treat treat it with respect and treat it carefully because of the wider implications of it as an illness. But children in themselves tend to be perfectly okay. Mm. And that that there are plenty of other infections that are far more dangerous. Mm. And you know, again, let's move on to another subject, mm. immunizations. I was just gonna ask you about and immunizations. People seem to be some people seem to be very, very worried about their child getting COVID and absolutely nonchalant about the fact that they haven't had measles, mumps and rubella vaccination or diphtheria, tetanus, whooping cough, polio or meningitis immunisation. And I simply don't understand it. I have worked in hospitals and seen those illnesses kill children. Mm. I haven't worked in a hospital and seen COVID kill children. Many will have, but I haven't seen that. The illnesses I mentioned are devastating and we have a cure. We have a way of dealing with it to prevent people getting it. And that's through the normal immunisation programme. And I do not understand why parents will not sometimes have their children immunised because they think it's a jab on the needle, a jab in the arm and it might hurt them or I don't want to do anything that might put them at risk. There was that whole thing that was like, wasn't it about um, autism, Ali? Was that... Yeah, well, that, yes. wasn't, that wasn't even proven to be correct. It's, it's, it was... There's, there's again, the, the, the believers will say, yes, there was evidence, but certainly if you look at the British Medical Association, if you look at National Institute of Clinical Excellence, there is nothing but strong advice to have your child vaccinated. And uh, a particular doctor suggested that um, the MMR might be associated with autism and inflammatory bowel disease. But there is very little, if any, evidence to say that is the case. And the overwhelming advice is to have your child vaccinated. Definitely. I have seen children who are deaf, who have uh, um, had meningitis, who have been desperately ill and have damaged lives as a result of measles and mumps. Mm. And I've seen children born to a mum who's had rubella, German measles, during pregnancy, and that child is has born with been born with deformities that they live with for the rest of their life. Yeah, and it's not nice having children immunised. I had my little boy yesterday, had his, his one-year jabs. Which it's doctor not, did that? Not you. You oh, made sure thank that. Goodness <laughs> for that. Um, but it's not nice, is it? I mean, he had, like, you know two jabs in each thigh. He's had, you know, high temperature today, didn't sleep yeah. well last night. It's not pleasant no. for them. But like you say... It's, it's the safest thing. It's absolutely the but safest in, thing. But in the long run, it's the safest. And what we have to remember as well is we live in a 
country where there is little measles, mumps and rubella. If your child then goes on holiday to many other countries, these illnesses are endemic. That means they're there in the community mm. and they can just go and they can catch those illnesses because they've not been protected. So, And that could happen when they're in their teens, in their 20s. If they've not had the vaccination at birth, of course they can have it later, but it then can get forgotten. And those people are at risk from these infections throughout their life. Well, I had mumps at 20-something because we missed my second MMR and it was not a pleasant experience. I think sometimes yeah. as adults it can be worse, can't it? In yeah, lots of these childhood illnesses. Mm, certainly for a chap. Yes, certainly for chaps. Um, so obviously, like, immunisation is really important Um and something that we want to get our children to have. What what's your point on the what's your point of view on chickenpox vaccine? Because I know a lot of mums out there think it's worth having it done. Does it work? It seems to be quite expensive. The NHS don't do it. The the, the NHS policy at the moment is get chickenpox and acquire your immunity through the little spots. Yeah. Um, there is an immunisation. It, 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 it's good. It's not 100% effective. You do get good immunity through having chickenpox. And if you have chickenpox as a child, it's generally not a particularly bad illness. Mm. And when I was young, and I suspect when you were young, yeah. you would have chickenpox parties. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And someone would get chickenpox. Yeah. Oh, come round. Yeah, everybody come. And then they, they have chickenpox, they all have it together, they all get their immunity, and that's it. It's done. You can tick the box. Yeah. yeah. Had it. Yeah. And so for me, uh, uh, and again, with my children, with my grandchildren, with my nephews and nieces. Very important. I would recommend that you acquire your immunity to that naturally. Is there a point, like, do you think children can get to a certain age where they haven't had chickenpox? Like, can they get to, like, six and seven and not had it? Yes, they can. They can get through to adulthood and not have it. And then is it worth having the it, vaccine? It, as an adult, it's not nice. No. It, it, it really is not nice. And so that's a, an argument for, for, for I, I think, at, at that time it's a mm. discussion and, and time will have moved, you know, medical science perhaps will have moved on then and there may be different guidelines. But certainly at the moment I would l let your child develop chickenpox immunisation mm. naturally. And how do you tell, like, if a cough is just a cough or if it's a COVID cough or if it's something that, like, because coughs seem to be, seems to be a lot of focus on and coughs at the minute. It could be quite mm. confusing as a as someone at home to know how to handle it. Yeah, it's a big subject. Um, we have different barriers to infection in the body. The skin is a barrier. It stops germs getting into the body. The upper respiratory tract is a way the body filters out germs. And as a part of that, germs will settle down there and you may well get coughs and colds. By and large, coughs and colds are fine. Mm. They're a normal part of growing up, as we said, of building your own immunity. And most of them are perfectly all right. Most of them are viral and they last for 
a few days to a couple of weeks and they go and you're better and you don't need any treatment at all for them. Mm. Um, Some are viral and some are bacterial. And again, that's much more difficult to work out whether it's due to a virus or a bacteria. And that's probably where you'd need a doctor to try and work out whether they need treatment depending on how poorly they are and how long the cough has gone on. Mm. And you have to just add into the equation, there are other things that cause a, a cough like asthma. Yeah. And so it may be a virus, it may be a bacterium, it may be uh, a, a, an allergic sort of atopic asthma sort of condition. Mm. So there's been a lot of focus on health at the minute with COVID-19 being out, it can feel very confusing as a parent, like when your child might have COVID or not. Should we be testing our children regularly? I think not. I don't think we gain much by that. I think if we if we are testing all the time, number one, it can make the children very anxious and concerned. And within the babies, how many times are you going to be able to stuff a lolly stick up I mean, I can't get sick cowpox, um, so I'm not really sure how it, 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 It's not, and, and I think I can see the rationale in secondary school, school policy, but I don't think we should be, with regard to the nursery, I don't think should we, we should be testing. And what about um, the use of, like, antibiotics in young children? Because I've, I've heard a lot of, I don't know if you've heard anything recently about this, Ali, where it's like, People saying you should use antibiotics. Other people saying you shouldn't use antibiotics. They go through these hot topics, don't they, of health? Yeah, I mean, Chris and I have talked about this before as well. We've said, you know, it's it's crazy how many patients will come and tell Chris what they need, i.e. I need antibiotics or, mm-hmm. you know, I need this. I mean, they're the, they're the doctors, they're the medical people, they're the GP. You know, mm. you need to go to them with, you know, what, what can I do? But, I mean, Chris... Thinking about that with with children, you know, it is quite an anxious time mm. raising a little person, and you know, children coming out with these illnesses and things like that. I mean, when should they come to see a GP? The easy and I think correct answer. Again, it depends on the age. On the whole, if you are worried about your child, you contact your. GP. I've got a very low threshold for seeing babies, young children. With an under three, uh, uh, the reception will put the call on the list without any question and they will be phoned back and uh, we'll talk and ask questions. And it's a learning process. As a parent, particularly with a first child, you don't know. Your child's poorly, you don't know. Why, why would you want to play games and risk things? If they're well, if they're running around eating and coughing a bit and um, uh, happy to f- fight with their siblings, well, that's, you know, on the whole, that's okay. okay. Yeah. But if they're poorly then and you're worried, you, call your, you can call your GP and you should be able to get some advice. Um, there are certain signs that, that we would look for to tell us whether we think someone is really poorly or not. But I don't think that's necessarily a parent's job. 
to 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 know those things i would look for a a high temperature over 38 in a under three months going up to 39 if they're a bit older than that rapid breathing grunting when they're breathing certainly in a baby those are signs that you just get on the phone and you talk to your gp um or you know if you can't get to your gp you you seek medical help if you're worried you're really worried about your child um for a baby um the hardest exercise they tend to do is drinking Mm. for a baby and if a baby is being offered a bottle and they haven't got the strength to drink they're poorly yeah and if they are breathing fast and you just not after they've cried or after they've had a tantrum or um but if just they're lying there and they're panting that's not a good sign Mm. and if you see that then talk to your gp ask for advice yeah and you shouldn't feel that you can't talk to your GP because they're too busy, because this is important. Have you seen a drop-off in calls for, for you know, it, young children in the last year or so? Initially, yes, because people were afraid. But after that, no. Most people, very understandably, will do anything for their children. Yeah. And if they're worried about their children, they'll call, and so they should. Yeah, it's good advice. Um, do you think there's anything that you can do to promote your child not getting sick all the time or is it just part of life? I think there are two questions there. One is protecting your child and one is teaching your child to have a healthy attitude towards health and illness. Mm. Um You want to protect your child from danger. And you'd do that if they were in the road and they were about to run out, you'd stop them. And if you know that there's a a, a bug going around or something like the the onset of, of COVID, you would be wise to look after your child until you knew what was was going on. Um, But... By and large, illnesses, we all get ill. We've all had infections. They're fine. They're no big deal. Mm. Do you want to teach your child to lie down and demand um, attention whenever they're ill? Or do you say, it's all right, you'll be okay. Come on, let's go out. And I think you want children to grow up feeling well and thinking well. Mm. Other things, that practical things that you can do is Teach them to eat well, mm. a good, healthy diet. Teach them to exercise well. And the best way of doing that is by eating well yourself and mm. exercising well yourself. Your children tend to copy what you do. Yeah, we're their best role models, aren't we? Which just put the pressure back on us. Yeah. Again. But we, <laughs> but, but we, we have to... We model that good behaviour. Yeah, we have yeah. to give... We, ideally, we want to be a good role model for our children so that we teach them they they imbibe they drink in good habits yeah Yeah, this is what i should do Mm. i should be going out and getting some exercise i should be filling my day with positive things and yeah and i've heard people say that sleep's a big factor as well like in terms of your own 
healthy cells that sleep's really important i wonder how many children out there are getting the right amount of sleep i think it i think i mean ali will be able to come in on this but my feeling on that would be it's really good to have habits for children and habit patterns and that may mean you have to curtail what you do to help them to keep their habits but if a child knows that they're going to bed at such and such a time except on a Wednesday Thursday and Sunday because mum and dad are out and or it's the football or whatever Mm. then they're going to have a chaotic they don't understand that and their body doesn't understand that and so a set bedtime a set getting up time Mm. set meal times those sorts of things not to the minute but those sorts of things help children to adopt a healthy lifestyle and a healthy healthy pattern because sleep is desperately important good sleep is desperately important to us so it used to be a very um part and parcel of family life wasn't it that you had a set dinner time yes you had a set bedtime that doesn't seem to be do you see that now is that something that's well, I think so. You know, it's, it. You know, bedtime could be a real battle for many families, and you know, sleeping through the night is also a real battle. And it, it definitely can be very wearing on a parent who's up and down a couple of times in the night, and definitely have a knock-on effect on how well the child can concentrate. You know, at nursery or school the next morning, some are just overtired. And I think if if the if you have got something like that going on that isn't you know established and and working for you and working for your child definitely you know get some help get some support with it Mm. um because we all need you know a a good amount of sleep and it does change from you know person to person doesn't it chris yeah absolutely Uh, uh, certain people have a a lower requirement for sleep than than others but i think that's something you discover as time goes by and as you get older yeah um and we help our children to find that and then we help them to maintain it. And interesting that you say that some children need more or less sleep than others. Are there some children that are more susceptible to getting ill than other children? Yes, but that's there are nutritional conditions. Mm-hmm. So some children who, who don't eat a healthy diet and who, are, who become... become become deficient in vitamins tend to be less healthy. There are some conditions that can cause people to have impaired immunity. But on the whole, children are pretty resilient and they resist. um, They've survived um, and they're they're pretty resilient Mm. and I think also they can go they can be very it can be very quick with a child so one minute you think your child is absolutely fine you can drop your Mm. child off to the nursery and think they're absolutely fine Mm. and then you know a couple of hours later they can have a really high temperature and vice versa Mm. you know it's not a case of when I dropped them off this morning they were fine Mm. because illnesses in children can Mm. happen very suddenly and their recovery is that right? Absolutely and on the whole children particularly young children, aren't that good play actors. No, not... And and so if they say they're not well, then you have to pay attention to it. Mm. Not indulge it, but if, if they're... You well, go two-year-olds are unlikely to be just uh, trying to get out of nursery. That's right, yeah. and, and, and they're 
feeling hot and you know lethargic lethargic that's probably not because they've put an electric blanket on or a hot water <laughs> bottle or anything like yeah. that that could happen later on in life there, as yeah. a future yeah. trick but yeah. generally it's because they're ill yeah, yeah. and, and then be... you 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 keep an eye on them yeah, and it can be really upsetting when your child's ill you know that when they're you know you see them being sick or running a high temperature it can be very upsetting to see that but you, it's really good to remember that they can get they get better get much quicker quick, than us oh gosh yes like you know one minute it, it takes us a couple of days doesn't it to get over something that's really made us poorly but children they can be right as rain very quickly yeah and this is a question for both of you. Have you seen children being more anxious with the whole washing your hands, COVID, being careful? Like, is that been a change that you've seen because of COVID-19? Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And, you know, children with sore hands because they've overwashed oh, and their them. hands are sore. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's that, oh, I've got to wash my hands, I've got to wash my hands. And that that's something that, you know, as practitioners, we've mm. really been learning how to cope with because that's been completely different. I mean, normally, you know, children would wash their hands, you know. Once a week. <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, and, you know, after everything, they, they, they asked to wash their hands and mm. you know it we they're coming into nursery now and it's the first thing they do wash their hands so it is and kids do is, like water so it's hard to know if it's an anxious thing or if they're just like mucking about with water it's, yeah no it is been it has been it, it's definitely something we've got to you know learn to get our heads around it and how to support them and help them but i think generally speaking i don't know about you know what you feel chris but i think generally speaking people are more anxious Generally, mm. like even adults, they're mm. much more anxious than... Yeah. It, it's going to take a while to put the effects of COVID behind us. And people have. And for many, for many good reasons, have become very anxious. Yeah. A lot of people have had really close encounters with COVID and it's been horrible for yeah, them. that's right. But... Um, and we've, you know, even with the staff, we've had to, you know, you have to look after... I think everybody's really needs to just be mindful of one another at this time because we've all been through a lot, mm. including our children. It's easy to forget that, isn't it? That, you know, the world through their eyes is so different now, a year yeah. on. and it's amazing, yeah. isn't it? When you see these babies and they're not even, you know, they're so used to seeing people in masks. Mm. Yeah, and mine still think... play peekaboo with me. Yeah. <laughs> and I do think as as life gets back to normal, we need we will need to be working to improve to to, to build our children's confidence again because a, a lot have lost a lot of confidence mm, i think a they lot of adults as well they yeah. haven't mixed with people they yeah. haven't integrated and it, it it will take time to get back to normal and just one final question what's your top tips for looking after a sick child at home not needing hospital or a doctor just under the weather depends what is wrong if we're talking about a, a, a fever cough cold um keeping a, a close eye on them if you can if not you need someone to keep a close eye on them because as ali says things can change quickly uh, don't expect them to change but things can change um calpol or ibuprofen are excellent drugs to deal with a temperature um, and very worthwhile using. 
children become dehydrated much more easily than adults. So you want to keep your child hydrated. If they're hot, don't smother them. Mm. Let them cool down because we don't want to f- the, the temperature to get any worse. I used to be put in the bath when I was little. Is that a thing now? Do you put kids in you, the bath to bring temperatures down? You can do. You, you wouldn't put them in an ice cold bath. No, do it slowly. Because an ice cold bath actually will heat the child up because mm. it closes down the superficial circulation. So you'd put, in, in, put the child into a hand warm bath. If, if you were using that, you don't have to do that, but if you were doing that, you wouldn't put them into a cold bath. It would mm. be a warm bath. In, don't leave them in there for long. In, out, and dry them off. Mm. I think distraction's a good um, thing as well, isn't distraction it? Distraction is you know, great. Not, don't have to be hyper with it, but just to say, you're, you know, it's okay, I've got you, and you're mm. going to get better, um, you know, and use that distraction yeah. as well. Spend so time. That, yeah, just because, you know, for them... Um, you know, if they're not feeling very well, you know, that can be... Because being sick when you're a child is really horrible, isn't it? You know, it's Mm. bad enough being sick when you're an adult. But Mm. so distraction, I think, is a really good thing as well, you know, to distract them and, and, uh, you know, affirm them. You you know, you're going to be well. Mm. This is okay. Mm. Mm. And just keep, keep keep your eye, all of that, keep your eye on them. And remember, if the temperature is getting very high, if their breathing goes fast, or if you're looking at them and you're worried, then call. Mm. You're not expected to know. If you're worried that they're not well and they're not picking up, then ask someone for for help. Yeah, good advice. Um, If you look on the the packs of ibuprofen and Calpol, it says don't use for more than three days. It's not because your child will explode after three days. (laughs) It's because after three days, if they're not better, you need to, you need to know what's yeah. going on. Mm. And you don't just want to be keeping going with the... Cowpole and ibuprofen, yeah. No, that is super helpful. Thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you, Ali. Thank you, Chris. And thank you for listening to us at home. And if you have any questions for Dr. Wilcock or Ali... Not me, because I'm, I don't know anything about children. But if you do have any questions, do send us an email. And you can do that by emailing us at manager at number nine, the nursery.co.uk. Thank you. And we will see you next time. Bye.